the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. How's everybody doing? Episode 113, that's what it is. It's a Tuesday. It's the first Tuesday of the month, which, which means that this is a For the People episode dedicated to you, the people, to the subscribers, to the listeners, to my people. And it's a For the People episode because we help you out with very legit concerns in the world. Herb Weissbaum joins us. Every first Tuesday of the month, Herb Weisbaum is the consumer man. He uh, talks about consumer issues, uh, writes for checkbook.org, and has been uh, in the consumer world helping people out with scams, keeping their money safe, being aware of what's going on, and navigating the financial world and the consumer world safely. Herb is the best, and uh, he is going to talk about some of the latest in consumer news and answer your questions as well. And also part of For the People is Tom Appel. Tom is our car guy. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive and has been in the car world for many, many years. We'll answer all of your car questions. Anything in the news that's happening in the automotive world, uh, you're looking to buy a car, lease a car, you have any kind of car question or concern, all of those things are covered by Tom Appel for Consumer Guide Automotive. So Herb and Tom are here for another episode of for the people uh that means esmeralda has the uh has the day off my dad however does not so my dad will be stopping by uh and he will be uh, telling a joke Hi, i'm carrie russell and i love nick's show and uh carrie russell will let him into the back door so that's what's coming up uh, for the people with herb and tom my dad telling a joke and um man i'll tell you the big thing that's coming up is on tuesday february 21st I'm going to be live at Zany's with my podcast, and we want you to be there. Let's pack the place, man. Uh, we're going to be doing this every month, and we want to make sure that Zany's knows that it could be a fun night for everybody, so we want the place to be packed. It's going to be hilarious. We've done it twice so far, and it's been a blast both times with a fun crowd, interactive stuff. We give away prizes, including like dinners, and we got Nick D podcast swag, like T-shirts and coffee mugs to give away. And uh, Esmeralda will be out of town. Um, she is my normal co-host, obviously, but she's going to be in Mexico on vacation. So the lovely Amy Guth, my old compadre at the Car Wash radio station, is going to be there. She's fantastic. So she's going to be my co-host for the evening. And our special guest is the unbelievable 40-year comedic stand-up comic legend John DeCoss, who also happens to be the music director and contributor to the Steve Cochran Show, of which I am also a regular, the movie critic, on the Steve Cochran Morning Show. You can hear on WLS AM 890 here in Chicago from 5.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. on weekday mornings. John is a regular contributor and the music director and a great guy and also unbelievably funny and filled with loaded with amazing stories. So John DeCoss is our special guest. Amy Guth is my special co-host that night. And you are going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, it's Fat Tuesday. It's Punchki Day. So we got to do something uh, very Punchki-like and maybe Polish candy-like. 
perhaps might be happening in addition to the fun prizes and the big laughs and you being a part of a live podcast recording and great topics and fun stuff. And my dad, my 81 year old dad, who I just mentioned is going to be telling a joke here. He's going to get up on stage and close the show. So you got to be there. You got to pack the place. Rosemont.zanies.com, the Nick D podcast live Tuesday, February 21st, 7.30 showtime, 6.30 doors open. Let's pack the place. Let's have a blast. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Be there. We'll meet afterwards. We'll hang out. We can take pictures. We're giving away a magic megaphone um, uh, uh, that, we, that we use here on the, on the podcast all the time. It'll be autographed, and we'll give that away as well. So lots of giveaways, lots of fun, big laughs. You will have an unbelievably fun time. Be a part of the live podcast, and it'll be great. So... Get your tickets now. You can call the box office at 847-813-0484. Call that box office right now and get your tickets at Zany's in Rosemont, Tuesday, February 21st, the Nick D Podcast Live. Amy Guth, John DeCoste, my dad, me, laughs, prizes, unbelievable fun. Rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets today. Make sure you do. Hey, you want to be a part of this podcast? You can call us and leave a voicemail anytime, 24-7. We really want to hear from you. Questions, comments, anything. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Also, I have another podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and it's all about Saturday Night Live. And even if you're not a Saturday Night Live fan, you should definitely listen and subscribe and tell your friends the podcast is called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's one week, uh, once a week, every Wednesday, a brand new episode. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. It's all going to be a deep dive into the greatest sketch comedy show that's been on for almost 50 years. And every week, we will talk all about Saturday Night Live. And if you have suggestions or comments about stuff that you want to talk about on the SNL podcast, again, 773-417-6948. You can also send me a, a, an email about the SNL podcast, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. But no, I, I really want you to check out the, uh, the SNL podcast. It's new. We were only four episodes in. We've had uh, ex-cast uh, members already on. John Rudninsky, uh, Brooks Whelan has been on. We've talked about... Uh, people, very famous people who you forgot were regulars on SNL. Um, we've talked about the potato chip sketch, one of the most legendary sketches of all time. Um, and we're going to continue with it. And uh, I'm having a blast doing it. And I'm getting a lot of great feedback. And if you're an SNL fan, you must subscribe to this podcast right now. And even if you're not an SNL fan, you'll love it. It's a very entertaining, informative, and fun podcast about Saturday Night Live. And everybody has opinions and everybody has memories about Saturday Night Live. You must listen to this podcast. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, RadioMisfits.com. Subscribe today. All right, cool. So get those tickets for Zanies for February 21st. Subscribe to my uh, SNL podcast as well. And stay tuned on this podcast because uh, we are going to be talking with Herb Weisbaum, who is the first of our two guys who contribute to For the People. So Herb Weisbaum, he's our consumer guy. He's going to join me after I tell you that you should be also very feeling, congratulations, feeling, feeling. I just turned it to Jerry Lewis Heibel. Congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Herb Weissbaum is the consumer man. 
Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming. The Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right, he's the Consumer Man. And he is uh, part of our monthly first Tuesday of the month shows that we call For the People because it's for you. And uh, Herb Weisbaum is with us. Uh, you can check him out at checkbook.org. He is the consumer man. Uh, and that's where he's, uh, you know, the consumer man, consumer man on Facebook, the consumer man on, uh, on Twitter and all that cool stuff. And uh, Herb is here to help everybody out. Hello, Herb. Hi, Nick. Nice to talk to you again. Happy February. Happy February. And we're here. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it seems a little bit longer than our last visit. And that's because we're sort of late into the, we're, you know, this is as late as you can go for the first Tuesday of the month. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's exactly right. Uh, Herb, tell everybody about Checkbook.org and about what you do and uh, all the consumer stuff that you've been helping people out with for many, many, many years. Sure. Checkbook.org is a nonprofit that rates services in seven cities across the country. And uh, those cities, if I remember them all, are San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, Boston, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., I hope I didn't miss one. I don't, I'm terrible at math. Yeah. And uh, we give uh, ratings to our, our members. Uh, and before the show is over, we will give you, Nick, a special link for your listeners so they can get a free 30-day trial and see what we do. But the, the advice that I write on the website uh, and in my newsletter that people can sign up for is for anybody. It's basic information, the stuff we're going to talk about on the podcast today. So our goal is to help everybody, even if you're not in those seven cities and can get the ratings. And big news since we spoke last, I think, I don't know if you know this. Do you know I retired from the radio station? No, I did not know that. 22 years at KOMO Radio and then KNWN now in Seattle. That was 6,500 daily tips I had done in that 22 years. Wow. And as I told my boss, I was tipped out, so to speak. But uh, it was time just to build a little bit more life into my life for the family and to do things. And uh, so I, I retired at the end of the year, but I'm doing my checkbook stuff, the Consumerpedia podcast every other week at Consumerpedia.org, talking to you and doing radio things. But it's interesting, Nick, because I now get to watch Netflix and Peacock and Paramount yeah. Plus and see all these things that I never had time for. It's fascinating. Watch yeah. Dion Warwick last night, the documentary on Dion Warwick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you got it now. Well, congratulations, Herb. Good for you, man. You deserve you deserve it, and uh, you know, and uh, and I hope the retiring life uh, treats you well. And I'm glad that you're still going to be uh, appearing with uh, with us here at the podcast. Absolutely, I I've semi retired. I just throttled down a little bit. Gotcha. So. Well, good for you, man. You deserve it. Fantastic. All the help that you've done for all the many years. Cool. And uh, and you're still helping people out here. And I really yep. appreciate you you sticking with uh, with me here on the podcast. It's one of my favorite segments oh, that I do a month. You know, pleasure. We just love doing it. Thank you. Okay. Cool. Checkbook.org is where you can check. And by the way, the newsletter, which is going to be continuing, despite the fact that Herb has retired, um, how can people get the newsletter? What's the easiest way to do that for people sure, who want to get on the Just go to consumerman.com, and it's right there on the homepage. A thing will pop up, and it'll ask you to sign up for it. I don't share your information with anybody, and uh, you'll get a weekly email from me with everything I do for Checkbook, some other goodies as well, and the podcast. And if you want to, I might as well give it while we're here, Nick. Checkbook.org yeah. slash Nick D podcast, you'll get a 30 day free trial subscription to our site. You can check out the ratings for everything from dentists and doctors to plumbers and electricians, kennels, veterinarians, I mean, you name it. We, we rate thousands of services. We just did our ratings recently on a supermarket um, delivery services and, and how they charge fees and what they do. So again, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, DC. Those are the cities we have ratings for. Everything else is free to everybody all the time. 
Great. And uh, a free trial, again, this is really nice of you to, check, yep. to do this for us. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. If you like it, we hope you'll sign up, but there's no obligation. Got it. And checkbook.org for all of your needs and all the articles we're going to be talking about and consumerman.com for everything else. All right, Herb, plugs are out of the way. Congratulations on the retirement. Now let's get to work. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, as we all know, if you watch television with any regularity, and now you're going to, uh, Herb, um, commercial television at least, um, we go immediately every single year this happens around mid-October through uh, the second week in January. It's nothing but Christmas commercials constantly. Christmas Mm -hmm. commercial, Christmas commercial, Christmas commercial from mid-October to like uh, to the beginning of January or mid-January. And then we immediately change from every other commercial being about Christmas to every other commercial being about taxes. Yep. So uh, and we are there. We are right now. And that's going to happen all the way through the end of April. So that's how it works. It goes, you know, October through January, (laughs) Christmas commercials, January through April, uh, uh, nothing but tax commercial so it's tax season and this is something it's a busy time for the consumer man because you want to help people out and give them information talk a little bit about tax season 2023 sure please don't shoot the messenger but here is the headline (laughs) for this coming tax season or the current tax season we're in which is millions of us are going to be disappointed that we're going to get less money back in refunds than last year or we may even owe money as we send in our returns this year and that's just a fact of life people need to start planning on now, even if you're not planning to file your return till uh, April 18th. It's April 18th this year, by the way, because of a holiday in Washington, D.C., and that's always if there's a holiday in Washington, D.C., you have to push it down. So April 18th is your deadline this year. But the, the tax... Uh, the tax code was changed for the pandemic to give us a bunch of credits and, and tax breaks to help us get through the pandemic. Everything is sort of rolled back for tax year 2022, which are the tax returns we're filing right now. So a lot of people, as you said, smaller refunds, no refunds, or you may even wind up owing taxes. In some cases, if you got special tax credits with a lot of kids, you could actually wind up owing a couple of thousand dollars if you didn't change your withholding that you had with your employer. So just for a conversation's sake, the average refund for last tax season, so that's the returns that were due in April 2022, was $3,293, which was 14% higher than for 2021 because of the changes in the tax laws. And uh, the average this year is going to be much smaller than that, they estimate, because we're going to go back. It's going to be closer to where we were uh, in 2019 and 2020 because of of the tax uh, changes in the tax code. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be disappointing to a lot of people then. Yeah. And I'll give you a few, a few examples because these things may affect your listeners, Nick. First of all, uh, these are the big ones. The child tax credit. It's now $2,000 per child, 2000 per kid. It's down, that's down from 3600 per child last year. So you see the big drop, especially yeah. for families with several qualifying kids. Child and development care credit, uh, that was $2,100 per family. That dropped from $8,000 per family. So wow. CYC may owe a couple thousand dollars in taxes. Yeah, and the earned income tax credit for eligible taxpayers with no eligible children, they received roughly $1,500 last year. They're going to get $5,600 this year. No, no, Another, no, five, $560. Oh, excuse me, $560. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, I told you I was bad at math. Yeah. Really, seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> difference, Herb. You want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from fifteen hundred to five hundred sixty dollars. Right, right. One thing that's going to affect a lot of people because last year, 
again to help uh, they were there was a big fear that with the with the uh, covid and, and everything that people weren't going to donate to charity so what they did is the congress changed the tax code and they said that even if you don't itemize on your tax return to take advantage of a charity deduction you could deduct up to $300 per individual for the um the money you donated in cash to charity last year. So it would give you incentive to make a donation to charity. And that was great. It helped almost anybody, anybody who followed the tax return would say right off the top, if you, if you had the receipts to back it up, I gave $300 in cash to bona fide charities and take that off 600 for married couples this year. The only way you can deduct a charitable deduction, it goes back to where it was before is if you itemize your returns and on your return and 90% of the taxpayers don't itemize. So this is only going to affect the 10% of the people who have enough deductions to itemize on the return. So that's going to be a big change for people as well. A bright note, let's not be a total bummer here. More people may be eligible for the temporary expanded premium tax credit, and that's designed to help cover the cost of premiums for health insurance purchased through the health insurance marketplace, better known as Obamacare. And, of course, some people are going to get credits for the clean vehicle credit if you bought an electric vehicle, so that'll uh, be uh, one to look for as well. Is it, I mean, that number that you just, that that stat that you just threw out when we were talking here a a couple of seconds ago, 90% of the people don't itemize. Is that Mm -hmm. right? 90%? Yes, 90%. The The standard deduction keeps going up, and the goal was to make it easier for people to do things on their own, not have to use an accountant unless they had a lot of a lot of deductions, like you have your own business and you have business deductions and that sort of thing. But they wanted to try to simplify and just give you a whole lot of money. They set it at a level that's supposedly to be fairly equal. I haven't exactly looked into that, but it's to, to sort of cover all that kind of stuff so you don't have to go to all the trouble to keep all those receipts and do all those things to sort of automatically factored in to the standard deduction. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, ta- tax year for me is always uh, interesting. Well, especially uh, especially it's going to be easy this year. I mean, I'm really technically not employed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it should be right. easy for me this year, which is unfortunate, but – I've got a guy, and it's always good to have a guy, Herb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't you, wouldn't, wouldn't in you Chicago, you need a guy in Chicago. I got right. a guy. I've had this guy, my, my, my accountant. I've had him since I started uh, going to him, 1999. So it's been a long time. I've been with this guy for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and I never, the thing about, you know, I will say this, I never worry about taxes because mm-hmm. of him. You know what I mean? It's always good. If you can find a guy, Herb, I'm, I'm assuming that you know guys and you know guys. And- I, have a, I have a certified public accountant who takes yep. incredible care of me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good if people can do that. And I know that like, it, some people might be intimidated by it. They might not know how to go about doing it. But if you get a guy that you trust and he's, you know, he's not going to charge you an arm and a leg. Right. Um, boy, it's one of the best, most, most stressless things ever. Like tax season, I don't worry. Exactly. You know? It's, and it it's, doesn't. It's, and even if you if you don't like to deal with this yourself, you know, if you go to a place that one even one of the big chains like an H and R Block or something, I don't know if you have a very simple return. It's I don't know what it's these days, one hundred fifty dollars or something. I'm a ballpark, but I mean, yeah. to take all that pressure off of you, my taxes because I have my own business are more complicated, and I want a CPA to go to all that stuff. But the great thing about having somebody work with you, and again, I, I don't give tax advice, but my my CPA Carmen said to me. Hey, you're old enough now to start taking money out of your retirement accounts. So you're not going to get uh, because of status and you know not being employed by the radio station any longer. You're not going to be able to itemize your deductions this year. Get the great uh, charitable deduction you got this year. So instead of giving to charity what you gave and not having any deduction for it, why don't you get a checking account associated with your IRA? 
use that to pay your charitable donations and therefore the money you're taking out of your IRA is not taxable because you take it out, it's a taxable consequence. Well, that's going to save me a ton of money. Oh, yeah, I would yeah. have never known that, but that's the benefit of having somebody, you know, she's a planning person too, you know, certified financial planner as well as an accountant, but you can sit down and figure out all these things because if you have various retirement accounts, and I'm assuming some of your listeners are at that point, a lot of it depends on what you take it out first or tax consequences or what you do. There's a lot of um, work on the system that you could do to, to lower your tax benefits. And you need somebody to steer you through that. And it's not that expensive and they can, you know, pay back themselves in, in a lot of ways. And yeah. by the way, speaking of business, I want to throw out one thing here. I just learned and I added to my story before we started this interview about people who do have their own businesses, Nick, if you have your own business, a lot of people uh, deduct their business mileage, which, you know, you can do. Mm-hmm. which is a great deduction if you're driving for business. So because of record high gasoline prices last year, the IRS took a very unusual step. They haven't done this for many, many years of setting two deduction rates for business mileage driven in 2022. So for the first half of the year, January through June, the deductible rate is 58.5 cents per mile. And after that, July through December, it's 62.5 cents Per, per mile driven for business. So if you're an individual business person who has deductible business mileage, make sure you do the proper calculation. So this is used by self-employed taxpayers who drive for their business in lieu of actually uh, deducting operating costs like oil changes and maintenance and all that kind of thing. You do you have a choice, actual expenses or your mileage. Um, it's also the rate that many companies use for paying back employees who drive for business when they're willing to uh, uh, to give your money back. So that's that's the the rate they use. But it's interesting because under a bill that was passed uh, several years ago, you can no longer claim unreimbursed mileage expenses as a deduction if you're working for a company. So they took they got rid of that one. If you work for a company and you drive for them and you don't get reimbursed by your employer, you can no longer claim that as an unreimbursed business expense. That that remains in effect till 2025. That was something Congress decided to change under the Tax Cuts and Job Act for some reason. I have no idea why. Mm, okay, that's 2023. By the way, it's 65.5 cents per mile. So that's uh, for those of you driving, and also if you get money from your employer reimbursed at the IRS uh, standard mileage rate, it will be 65. It is 65.5 cents per mile for 2023. Wow. Okay. Uh, everybody driving. Did you ever call the IRS by the way and like get, try to get help? Have I ever personally called yeah. the IRS? Yeah. Uh, I did, yeah, many years before I got my guy. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Because if you do that, you can actually grow a full beard before the no, IRS. No, I, I, I'm telephone. with you. I'm with you. No, no, no. That's one of the reasons why I got my guy. Uh, things yeah. started Things started to change for me um, at the radio station in terms of how I was being paid and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, uh, and, and so I had some difficulty one year filing and I called the IRS and the next year I was like, I'm not doing this ever again. And that's when I got my guy. So right. yes, because I had to call the IRS, <laughs> Herb, that's why I ended up with my guy. Right. So yeah. Well, I, they I, have I, promised better service this year and they have promised that they, they said they have hired a whole lot more telephone assistants and in-person staff. Even so, they say there's still going to be long delays and people aren't going to get through. There are a ton of resources available on the IRS website that can answer your questions. I mean, they really do have Q&As and sections on everything you could possibly think about. Uh, if you go to my article, which is on my website, consumerman.com, I already have the link set up for many of these major categories. You can simply go to the hyperlink and it'll get you to where you want to be. Uh, so that's really good. And one of the things you'll find on there is about filing electronically. 
and uh, filing for free. There are a lot of free resources. Remember, they pr- they don't promise this here, but they say that if you file electronically and use direct deposit, they will do their darndest to get you their, re- their re- your refund within 21 days if there's nothing that's wrong with your your what you sent in. So if it's you know if you didn't do something that flags potential audit or something that's questionable, if you file electronically, everything's good. Set up direct deposit. You should have your money in about 21 days. And it is the most secure way to get your money back as opposed to having it go through the mail or something like that. So so from keep per- that in mind. From personal experience, that's the way I do it. And yes, within 21 days, it's in my bank account. That's usually yeah. how it, that's usually how it works. So and if you and if you haven't gotten it, they have the where's my refund page. Yep. You can go there and put your information on. They can tell you the status or what's going on. So, uh, you know, what, take are some the, what are some of the good reasons to file early? Like right now would be early if you're going to file. Uh, right. That would be considered early. What are some of the some of the pros and cons of uh, of filing early as opposed to waiting till you know, 1130 at night on, on sure. the 17th? <laughs> well, as you rush, you make mistakes, number one. Number two, if you file early, we all know about the tax fraud that takes place. With the IRS, it's actually the first in is the one that's considered to be le- the, the one that's in, the legitimate one. So yeah. if you have everything ready and there's no needs, need to wait, there's no reason to wait. Some people have to wait if you have investments and you have to wait to get the form from your brokerage account and whatever that kind of thing. But if you don't have to wait for any of that, the sooner you file, the better it is from a fraud point of view. Because if you're in first, Nick, and some identity thief tries to play you, they'll be blocked out because you're already in. And if they get in before you because they've stolen your identity, you will be blocked out because the IRS says Nick already filed his tax return. And then you're going to have to go through the whole process of I'm a victim of identity theft, which could take months, months and months and months and hold up your refund. So there's no reason to wait if you have it. Obviously, you're not going to rush it if you don't. The other thing is, if you're waiting for stuff because of what I told you about the refund changes, you can sort of prepare your return or rough it out or get things all set up and you can see, whoa, I owe a couple thousand dollars this year and start setting that money aside or changing your family budget and working on how you can save up that money. Of course, if you can't pay, there are some payment programs the IRS has, but that'll give you a good idea of where you are. That's the great thing about having my guy, who's a gal, and she actually told me because I pay estimated taxes and I won't even give you the number that I owe when it comes April 18th, but if I told you, you'd have a heart attack right on the radio because I have no withholding anymore. It's all based on me paying myself. And uh, so, mm. but she gave me the, you know, she gave me four months warning. Yeah. Her, Herb, you, Herb, you sure you want to retire? You all right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. I'm enjoying watching those movies on, you know, in my movie. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I, really I understand. You know, I so, understand. Yeah. So, but, but anyway, so. so, and then the last point I just want to make is, and it's all built in my story, but the free file program is available Few people use it. Only a couple of percent of the taxpayers use it. It is absolutely free if you qualify. Uh, individual and families have to earn less than seventy-three thousand dollars in twenty twenty-two. There's a bunch of professional companies that you can pick from. Uh, by regulation, they are not allowed to share your information with anybody else because this is tax season. Uh, and uh, you know, if, if you have some simple return and you don't want to pay to do it. Why not do this and, and use the use the benefit of this? Um, don't Google free tax preparation because you have no idea where you're going to wind up. You want to go to the IRS website and then click on the link that says free file. If you live in a, an area where there's a state income tax, many of these will do the state income tax free as well. There will be a charge for the state income tax, but it's usually they'll tell you what the charge is up front. So yeah. you can figure yeah. that out. But give it a give it a try. Check it out. And 
I won't go into all the details, but there are a lot of free programs that they will actually work through you and help you do the tax filing if you're a senior, if you're disabled, if you're um, uh, different things, uh, military. Yeah. Uh, these are all listed in my story on consumerman.com. This stuff is out there. There's volunteer income tax assistance. There's mill tax for military members and their families. They will help you do that. Uh, just, uh, you know, take advantage of this. It's out there. It's all in one place on that story. And, you know, why pay somebody when you can get it for free? Keep the True. money in your pocket. True. And you can check it out at uh, consumerman.com and uh, checkbook.org. Uh, really quickly, what are some of the advantages or disadvantages and why do some people file quarterly? What's, what's Well, some people have to file quarterly. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, have earned income that's not subject to withholding, such as m- myself, uh, you have to file quarterly returns unless you want to get clobbered with a, a big tax penalty at the end of the year. And they changed the, the they came out with the dates for this year. Um, and those were April 18, June 15, September 15, and January 16. So I think people who do this on a regular basis know that they have to do it. But the reason why is, is because you don't have any withholding and you don't want to get clobbered uh, for uh, having too much with, you know, uh, waiting for the IRS and get a penalty at the end of the year. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, those are all the options that you have and, uh, and really good advice. And make sure you check out that article. Uh, we wanted to, to move on to, of course, mm-hmm. one of our favorite things to talk about, and I'm being you know, facetious here, <laughs> is uh, hidden fees and junk fees and, uh, and how I guess, you know, we've been talking about this is a pretty regular thing that we talk about because it's, 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 it's outrageous and astonishing that the, the fees, the junk fees, the hidden fees that people get away with. Uh, people know about hidden fees in a lot of different ways. And again, I think, uh, I think just anytime they, they, they run stories about trying to get Taylor Swift tickets or going through Ticketmaster, yep. uh, the, wor- the world of hidden fees becomes abundantly clear on how people get away with it, companies get away with it, play, pe- you know, places get away with throwing in junk fees and hidden fees without you even knowing it. But regulators are cracking down on this. Is that what's happening? Have you been following yeah, that's, this? Yes, that's the brand new story I did that the Federal Trade Commission of one and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is making some noise about it too, the CFPB, about hidden fees. I want to read you what the FTC said about this issue. They said many companies use hidden fees to obtain bigger payments from companies without having to increase their advertised pricing. These bait and switch schemes cost consumers tens of billions of dollars each year, make comparison shopping difficult, and leave consumers feeling powerless and cheated. That is why federal regulators are so concerned about it. It's not new. You and I have talked before about hotels charging that per night resort and facility fee tacked on after the fact uh, when you have no facility or no resort, but it's just a way to advertise. When you do a search, the room price is this rate, and then you find out that it's $25 or more a night on top of that. So that's the real rate because it's mandatory. A number of hotel chains have agreed because of lawsuits to change that. And by the way, happy news for people who use uh, VRBO and um, uh, Airbnb that they have now told their people who rent out the houses that they need to start uh, giving up front the cost. If you click a little thing on on the site, you click a little on the app and it says, show me the entire cost and you will know what the entire cost of that rental is. Uh, so that's good news. We're moving towards transparency. That's what's needed here. A fair marketplace, everybody, you are told what it's going to cost you and you decide if you want to buy it or not. It's not the sneaky fee at the end. You know, I have no problem with a, well, I have no problem with a fee if it's disclosed up front. So for instance, during the pandemic, a lot of restaurants would say, we are adding a 20% tip automatically to take care of all the servers, or we're doing a 3% kitchen fee or whatever. Right. If it's on the menu, if it's disclosed up front, I can decide if that's okay and if I want to stay there and eat. If 
if it's not, if it's I get the bill and all of a sudden it says there's a 3% fee added to the kitchen and I didn't agree to that, uh, that's uh, that's fraud in my in my mind that you're sure. tricking me. And, sure. and that's what that's what the problem is with these junk fees. In so many cases, they're tacked on after the fact. And they're and they're also uh, there's a question about relevance. There's this whole issue now that they're looking at uh, overdraft fees. And the question is, you know, the, the, a new report came out that an overdraft basically costs the bank $8 to process. Then why are some banks charging up to $41 uh, an overdraft? I'll tell you why, because they're making a lot of money doing it. That's why. Mm. And there's this logic that's, you know, it's capitalism. It's America. You know, you supposedly can charge whatever you want. But there's this feeling that, that these institutions are taking advantage of their customers and that somehow this has got to be brought in and it's got to be regulated. So that's what the whole issue is with this thing. And I applaud uh, every Fed, federal regulator, regulator that's working on this area. Um, and the, the FTC actually has been bringing lawsuits against this. Two examples I gave in the story is an automotive group, Nick, that's uh, headquartered in your state, Illinois, hmm. the Ed Napleton Automotive Group. It's a multi-state dealership. They were accused of sneaking illegal junk fees for unwanted add-on products to the contract, such as payment insurance and paid paint protection, uh, hundreds or sometimes thousands of dollars, the lawsuit alleged. And then a name a lot of your listeners are going to know, Vonage, the internet telephone service. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, quote, surprise customers with expensive junk fees when they tried to cancel. Often the customers were told they'd have to pay an early termination fee, sometimes hundreds of dollars. It was not clearly disclosed when they signed up for the uh, phone service. And they paid a huge fine uh, to the Federal Trade Commission for doing that. And these companies have agreed to change their ways. The FTC now is going to the point where they're actually propose, thinking about proposing. It's called an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. They're seeking public comment on a rule that would point blank uh, make it uh, unfair and deceptive for fees that are charged for goods and services that have little or no value to the consumer. Uh, so that would be and, and change the advertised price. So they want to not have to like argue, hey, this is misleading, deceptive. Like they want a, a hard rule. If you do this, it's a violation of Federal Trade Commission regulations, and that way they don't have to deal with it, you know, so one-on-one situation. Nope, you violated the rule, and, uh, you know, that I think that's good. The comment period ended February 8th on that one, uh, so it's going to be down the road, but they already got 6,000 comments from people. You can tell this is something that concerns people, and I read some of them. It's like they talked about Ticketmaster and Live Nation, and I'm tired of these junk fees, and they're making you know, they're ripping us off, and there are a lot of people, rightly so, very, very honked off about this. Yeah, no, it's 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 insane to me. I, uh, a friend of mine um, got tickets to a show, and I looked at the breakdown. The, you know, She sent me the thing and said, here's, here's what they charged me, and the breakdown it was unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it is literally almost double the amount of what the base value of the ticket is. Yeah. It, it's and insane. It, it's completely and there, nuts. And there was a congressional hearing I watched a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they, they were just letting these guys have it. And the head of Ticketmaster basically said, we don't even know what the fees are. It's, it's set by the venue. And the artist on the end of the panel says, I don't know what he's talking about, but we asked the venues what they're charging. And they said they didn't have a clue. Yep. <laughs> so somebody wasn't giving Congress the true story. Uh, and that's that's the whole situation here. That yeah, no, it's, it's everybody else. But we get we when we buy the tickets, get socked with the charge. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what it is. It's like, I don't blame me. Blame the venue. And then the venue says, don't blame me. Blame Ticketmaster. And the Ticketmaster says, yeah. don't blame us. Blame the artist. Like, what the right. hell is going on? Uh, right. and the I remember he doesn't get any of that, by the way. The artist doesn't get any of those added. Fees. Well, it's the, here's the thing. I remember back in uh, the one band that tried to get rid of Ticketmaster. And this was 30 years ago. This Pearl was Jam, in, right? Pearl Jam 
where they from Seattle. They, Seattle's Pearl yeah, Jam. Yeah, uh, Seattle's Pearl Jam. One of the uh, well, you know, also Eddie Vedder from uh, Chicago. Uh-huh. I will say that uh, oh, okay. he, is an, he, he is an Evanston native, but um, but they were mocked for it, and it was a it was you know it was a disaster because it wasn't a disaster, mm-hmm. but it was really hard because so many venues are so tied into. And there was no Live Nation then, but there is now, obviously. But mm-hmm. you can't go. Th- you can't do a, a, a con- you can't hold a concert at some of these larger venues or some right. of the specific venues. Because because Live Nation owns it or Ticketmaster owns it. And mm-hmm. so they tried to do it on their own. Right. And I remember going to a show at Soldier Field uh, where we had to get our tickets through the mail, through an independent company, and everybody complained about it. Um, uh, but you know, and, and, but they tried to do something. Like, actually, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam is one of the only bands to make a stand and try to do something, and it failed. And even yeah. they, even a band as big as Pearl Jam, failed to try to go up against these corporate clowns at Ticketmaster and at you know Live Nation and these other other places. It's 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 yeah. crazy. But they tried. Pearl Jam tried thirty years ago. Even thirty years ago, Herb, this was a thing. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Now, now Congress and the regulators are talking about and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it's time to break these guys up. You can't have the tickets and the venues like you know, eighty, ninety percent of the venues because it's a monopoly situation. Yeah. yeah. And and so they they may have pissed off so many people with taylor swift that uh, oh. there, there may be something i mean republicans i uh amy klobuchar senator klobuchar said at the congressional hearing congratulations or no it was um it was a uh, congressman blumenthal senator blumenthal he said congratulations you guys have for once united republicans and democrats in this divided Congress <laughs> because everybody hates what you guys are doing i mean that's quite a thing that and, really and is Congress, especially especially now herb especially right. now to have the, the to have it united in that way right. and it, you know that's another reason why everybody loves taylor swift she could unite republicans and democrats it's amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we, Nick, before we leave this topic, one yeah. more thing I want to share is that the Federal Trade Commission is, ha- is also in the process. They've already uh, outlined a notice of propo- a proposed rulemaking uh, for something that regards junk fees in the automotive industry, where, you know, you don't think about junk fees in the automotive industry. But uh, so they're in the process of, of developing this rule. The comment period has already ended for this. So it's now on the staff taking a look at it and then proposing something to the commission. But um, they want to ban uh, specific types of of uh, junk fees in the auto industry. And here's what they're saying. They're saying that uh, this would ban fraudulent junk fees, which would prohibit dealers from charging fees for fraudulent add-on products and services that provide no benefit to the consumer. And they specifically said, including nitrogen-filled tires that contain no more nitrogen than normal air, surprise junk fees, prohibit dealers from charging consumers for add-ons without their clear written consent, and would require dealers to inform consumers about the prices of the car without any optional add-ons. You know, you sign so many pieces of paper, you have no idea that you've just agreed to all this extra stuff. So those are two of these specific junk fees in the car transaction process that they're actually trying to uh, stamp out with a regulation that's already in the process of being regulated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, all the details in the entire article, you can read all about it uh, at checkbook.org and consumerman.org. And it's regular, uh, federal regulators cracking down on hidden fees is the headline. Consumerman.com. Consumerman.com. Right. Exactly. Right. All right. Cool. Uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, speaking of cars. Great segue. Uh, we, see, you see, this is why I won an award when I was on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, old, old talk show hosts never die. They that's just right. segue. That's like that. they saw, oh, man. Oh, I don't have my rim shot loaded in right now. I'm so sad. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, the, the weather has been crazy uh, and still crazy. But I mean, mm-hmm. the, the torrential, insane downpours that a portion of this country, a good portion of this country received. Yep. Well, I mean, you live in Seattle, so you get it every day, Herb. 
but uh, <laughs> but but some really serious, horrifying flooding and rains and torrential storms happened. Um, and 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 in 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 that this somehow affects the used car industry uh, and how you might get stuck with a car that has a lot of flood damage. Mm-hmm. And you 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 want to talk a little bit about that to, to to make sure people are aware that these cars that may have been damaged during these horrible weather situations are going to be out there and on sale. Sure. Normally, these cars come from down south where they have hurricanes and then they get flooded by the floodwaters. But this year, you know, we had some floods in Seattle. I mean, it wasn't rain, just rain. We had flooding in Seattle and huge flooding, as you know, from the news in California. Right. So we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of vehicles that were underwater during these flooding situations that are going to wind up, some of them winding up on the used car market, being sold to people who have no idea that the car was damaged in a flood. And then the folks are going to have pun intended, trouble down the road. And so we want to warn folks about that uh, because uh, this is going to be a serious problem. It's really, really easy for a professional to clean up a vehicle, make it look new, and you have no idea that the electronics of the computers were underwater in really bad shape. And this can not only pre- present a driving hazard, I mean, it can ruin the engine, which are all computer controlled now, but it could prevent a safety hazard. You know, the seat bags, the, air, the airbags, they're all controlled by sensors, computer sensors. If the airbags get wet, those airbags might not deploy in a crash. So this is really, really serious. If the water was high enough to get into the engine, passenger compartment, and trunk, basically the clock is ticking and it's only a matter of time before the trouble starts. So it can affect the engine, the exhaust, the airbags, the anti-lock brakes, which are all computer controlled, the transmission, the turn signals, the brake lights can fail. And then there's the health consequences of down the road. There can be mold or mildew or bacteria in the car's interior and the ventilation system that could cause people in the car to get sick. I want to read you a quote I got from Emily Voss. She's a spokesperson for CarMax. And this basically sums it up. She said, quote, cosmetically, these cars might look great, but it's nearly impossible to tell they are literally rotting from the inside out, rotting from the inside out. So that's uh, we want to be careful of that because they can clean these up. They can put deodorants. They can make them smell and, and do good. And are you familiar with the term title washing? I am not. I am not. Okay. So this is how these cars make it to market. What happens is if a vehicle's flood damage has been completely or partially submerged in water so that there's damage to it, that the uh, insurance company is, you know, they say we're going to buy the car back because it's flood damage or pay out the car, it's flood damage. The title is supposed to be designated salvage or junk, something like that. It's supposed to be branded with that on there so that anybody else who gets the vehicle knows what's happened to this vehicle. And these things then go to auction where they can be sold and they can be sold for scrap. There may be some used parts that are the parts that can be used. There may just be maybe melted down. In some cases, if it's not that bad, a mechanic could rebuild it. Maybe some people do it for themselves to save money. They could rebuild it. But the title is supposed to indicate if that happens that the car has been rebuilt. Rebuilt needs to be on the title so that the potential new buyer, if a, if a mechanic does that, is not misled. Well, the system isn't foolproof, and in many cases, these vehicles are sold at auction, go through states where there's very weak titling laws, and before you know it, the title is washed, which means that the branding, salvage, junk, or rebuilt is no longer on there, and you, the consumer, think you're buying just a normal used vehicle that was just put on the market. And you're buying a flood damaged vehicle that could be a lot of trouble mm. down the road. So that's the problem. That's how these things get washed. 
And, well, that's a, an, an interesting way, an interesting term to use <laughs> yeah. for, for that. Uh, and, and, uh, but it's, it, now just for, for people who, who, uh, normally you said it does come from the South. How, how much is this going to increase? Does anybody have any idea how, how huge it's going to increase because of the wild weather, not in the South this year? Well, it's it's a huge problem every year, and I think there was wild weather in the South. So, I plus adding to the to the West, I think the problem is going to be bigger than ever, and that's what all the experts, the auto experts, told me that it's going to be a, a very very big problem. So, you've really got to take the steps if you're buying a used vehicle to protect yourself. I can I can run down a couple of the things to look for, but I'm going to finish with a caveat about what you really need to do. Okay. So, you know, you can you if you if you think you know cars. You know, you can look at the carpets to see if they've been waterlogged or if there's a dusty or musty smell. There's some caked mud. But again, they can clean all the stuff out. If you see new screws in the seats, it doesn't make sense. That could mean they changed out the seat. If there's some water in the in the behind uh, in the lights, you know, with the plastic around the lights and the headlights or the taillights, that could, uh, you know, be a, a symbol that something's wrong. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, most people can't tell. They just do a really good job of cosmetically cleaning up. So you need to do two things. First of all, check the the history. Most dealers these days, or some dealers at least, will give you a Carfax report that lets you know if the deal if the vehicle has been in a flood. If you go to this story on checkbook.org or consumerand.com, I have several other places where you can also check the VIN number because not everything is in every system. So you want there's three places that you can actually check. But the bottom line here again is if this if the person didn't have insurance, Nick, and it didn't run through the insurance system and they just were able to sell it to a, a, an auction or something or fix it up and put it back on the market, it won't be in this VIN check by anybody oh, because yeah. it wasn't in the system. Just like a vehicle that's been in an accident, if they didn't have insurance, it's not going to show the vehicle was in an accident, which is why, and I can't emphasize this enough, you need to take the vehicle before you buy it to a qualified independent mechanic and spend the 150 bucks to let them look at that vehicle, they will check for both damage from an accident and flood damage and let you know whether you should buy it or not. And I'll right. tell you two personal stories, if I, if I may. First of all, by the way, you wouldn't believe how many people I hear from that tell me they bought the vehicle and then decided to have it checked. There was a problem and the dealer wouldn't take it back. You drive off the lot, it's yours. You want to check before you drive off of the lot. Yeah. And if any dealer won't let you do that, then you walk away as fast as you possibly can. So here are my two stories. I was helping my father-in-law buy a used car many, many years ago. May he rest in peace. And he's listening, though. He listens to your podcast, by the way. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, he does. He's a great guy. And um, mother-in-law, not so much, but the father-in-law really loves you. And uh, went to this well-known dealership, and they knew me. I mean, they knew what I did for a living, and they, they showed us this car. He said it had just come in from the auction and, you know, and I said, I'm sorry, I know who you are and I know you're a good dealership, but I cannot buy a used vehicle without taking it to a, a mechanic. All right. If you think, yeah, I think I should do that. Drove it to the mechanic, guy known for years, my guy, my car yep. guy. Yep. And uh, he looked at it, opened the hood and closed the hood 30 seconds later and said, somebody's mucking around with a carburetor. I don't know what the hell the problem is with this vehicle. Take it back. You don't want this vehicle. Took it back to the guy and told him what had happened, and we did something else. And he called me back three days later and said, I'm totally embarrassed. It hadn't been run through the shop. 
I don't know if that's true or not, but he says, we've now fixed it and I'm sorry for what happened to you. But that's even with mm. a reputable shop, sure. even with a, you know, even if it's a certified used car, do you want to have a car that has a problem and then you have to have it back with them for three or four or six days after you bought it? Right. Find the problems ahead of time. The other personal story is I did a story many, many years ago on uh, cars that were welded together. So they take two halves yep. of crash cars and put them together. This person let me check out their car because I suspected it was, I just had done some research, suspected there was a problem. And they said, oh, you know, it's, I think it's fine. It looks really good. We put it up on the lift. And not only was it welded together, Nick, but it was welded together poorly. And the car almost broke in half up on the lift. They had to get it down real quickly. Wow. Imagine the safety hazards of driving a vehicle like that. Trust me, for 150 bucks and what used cars cost these days, it's the best money you're ever going to spend. Because remember, drive it off the lot, and in almost every case, that's your vehicle, and the dealer is not going to help you. That's you know, right. Yeah, I'll sue the yeah, I'll sue their ass. Right, keep in line. Five years here in King County, Washington, where I live. Yeah. Right, what are you going to do for five years for a car? True. You know? True. You know. And uh, and yeah, this is these are this is advice that you have to take, especially if you know with all the flood damaged cars that are going to be out Absolutely. there. Um, Absolutely. We're running out. We're running out of time, but I do want to yeah. mention um, that the the new figures for 2022 about identity and cyber uh, uh, cyber theft are out. You guys cover it, and uh, you also republished a story about all the stuff that you need to do to make sure that you are safe from cyber theft and identity theft. And these numbers from 2022 are not good. <laughs> No, I'll give you the summary. Basically, yeah. according to the Identity Theft Resource Center, a great nonprofit that helps folks, more than 422 million victims of data breaches in the country this year. That is more people than live in America, Nick, which means many of us were breached more than once. It was a 42% increase from 2021. We now have to change our mindset. All of our information has already been breached. It's already floating out there in the dark web. If yeah. you haven't been a victim yet, it's because they have so much they haven't gotten around from you. And the number one tip in the story, and I hope folks will go online and read it, is freeze your credit reports at Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. It will lock criminals out of your credit files if they try to get new credit, open accounts, cell phone, credit card, utilities, whatever, in your name. It will lock them out. They will not be able to do it. It's the number one thing you can proactively do to protect yourself right. and your kids. You can right. do it for your kids, too, and it's free. And if you need to get credit, you can open it electronically in probably 30 minutes. It's something you absolutely need to do. So the key word is freeze, everybody. Freeze. Freeze. Absolutely. All right. And you want all that information, you can check out consumerman.com and checkbook.org. And again, if you want to get the... Uh, the newsletter, you can go to consumerman.com, sign up for the newsletter, and for a trial, a free trial at Checkbook, checkbook.org slash Nick D Podcast. Herb, congratulations on the retirement, and I'm glad that you're, you still gonna, you, you're still going to be with, uh, with us once a month. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I wouldn't leave you for anything. Okay, buddy. I appreciate it, Herb. Have a great Thanks, day. Have a great okay. time. We'll talk to you next month, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Herb, Herb Weissbaum, retired consumer man, but he's always on the beat, and he will always be on the beat every first Tuesday of the month. Speaking of on the beat... In the car world, that's Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. <laughs> it's the czar of car. The sultan of cylinder. Tom Appel. Yeah. It doesn't get it doesn't get more definitive than that. Um, no, it never gets old either. It never gets old. Uh, Tom Appel is our guest, and Tom is uh, the uh, 
the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Consumer Guide Automotive is your 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 publication and your website and your blog and for everything uh, in your automotive needs. Tom joins us once a month on our For the People episode. And uh, Tom, we thank you for doing it. How are you, buddy? I'm good, thank you. Good, and it's uh, it's uh, it's already uh, February. Why does it seem like we haven't talked in a long? Doesn't it seem like it's been longer than usual that we haven't? It very spoken? much does. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Uh, you know, Although you I, have started a new podcast in there, I, so yes, I have. I've been. I, I did. I started a new busy. Saturday Night Live podcast, which has been getting some pretty good feedback. I'm I'm good. very happy with it. Uh, it's called. I that enjoyed Show. it. Thanks, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. We're four episodes in. Um, uh, uh, five. Well, t- well, actually, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow will be the fifth episode, uh, where my good friend Tom Hush, executive producer of the uh, Steve Cochran Show, is going to join me to talk about the generational difference on how people his age and how people my age watch and consume oh. Saturday Night Live. Watch and consume Saturday oh. Night Live, especially from the uh, perspective of how it all changed when the Lonely Island SNL digital shorts began in the, mid, uh, the mid-2000s. So uh, we'll get into Excellent. that. Excellent. Should be fun. But anyway, yeah, it seems like a while. And also, it is, you know, today is the 7th, and that's as long as you can go with being the first, mo- the first uh, Tuesday of the month. So that's probably why it was, you know what I mean? Because it's very, it's the seventh. Yeah. So it actually was a long time. Yeah. So it has been an extra week was in there. I'm not crazy. Don't tell me I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive and all that cool stuff. Yeah, we've been around since 1967. Obviously, we've gone through a bunch of changes, and we gave up print way back in 2008. But we review cars. We try to have fun with car culture. Uh, We rebooted our podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, A lot of stuff there. If you're not buying a car, there's still fun stuff to check out. Absolutely. No, and I don't. I haven't driven a car legally, as I've said many times. I haven't. (laughs) I haven't driven a car in about 20 so years legally. Uh, but I still love having you on. I still love talking uh, cars, and uh, the, the, the subscribers and the listeners love it, and it's always been an incredibly popular uh, segment uh, that we do that I've done all the way back when I was working at the car wash. So uh, very, very cool. All right, well, Tom, always, uh, always fun, and people can, uh, can, and we're going to get to some of the fun stuff that you guys do on, that, uh, on your blog. And let everybody know what the what the blog is called again at uh, Consumer Guide. Yeah, it's just blog.consumerguide.com, or you can go to cgauto.com. Right, and you can check out the stuff. We'll get into that in a little bit, yeah. Uh, and uh, and all of the other cool things. And you just asked me off the air if I would be a guest on your podcast, which I'm I very, did. I'm thrilled did. about, and that'll be at the end of uh, February. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that should be fun. That should be fun. I have a new, I have another uh, zany show. If you're not doing anything on uh, February 21st, Tom, if you want to come out, I think I can do that. I yeah. think I can do that one. Please do. It's uh, Tuesday, February 21st. Zanies in Rosemont. John DeCoss from the Steve Cochran Show is going to be our special guest. Esmeralda's going to be in Mexico, Tom. She will be on vacation. But Amy Guth, the lovely Amy Guth, is going to be my co-host that night, and we'll do a lot of fun stuff. And I I assume that you will, of course, be recognized by the crowd, so you have to come out. (laughs) Which was like the high point of my entire professional career. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Someone recognized me. (laughs) At our our very first live gig in November, uh, uh, Tom was there, and he got recognized by one of our our, uh, our. Uh, audience members which was great but yeah if you can make it tom i would love it if you could come out man uh you know the more the the more the merrier it'll be a blast it's on tuesday february 21st at zanies in rosemont uh hey rosemont.zanies.com get your tickets now all right i'm just gonna say i'll be there cool and i will see you there looking forward to it and we'll hang out and talk afterwards cool so all right well let's get into some car stuff now as you know uh tom i always encourage our subscribers 
and listeners to uh, send some questions. If you have a question yeah. for Tom uh, that's car-related, automotive-related, you have concerns or questions, you're looking to get a car, lease a car, get a car fixed, any of that stuff, you can leave a voicemail message at 773-417-6948 or send an email to nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And Kelly did just that, uh, Tom. So let's see if we can help out Kelly. Kelly, and I think this is a question that you've probably gotten a lot over the years. And I think it's a basic question, an interesting question, a good question, and something that a lot of people not in the know might ask and go, yeah, that's a a, a decent question. Are you right? Now I've really built it up. (laughs) 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 Kelly in Chicago says, um, can you ask Tom the car guy a question for me? Well, of course I can't. Um, I saw a commercial for an SUV this morning, don't remember the brand, and one of the accessories was either all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. What is the difference? And I think that's a great basic question because, you know, four wheels, four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, there's only four wheels on a car. That's all wheels. So yep. uh, is there a difference between four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, or is that just a way of saying four-wheel drive? There is absolutely a difference, and, and I think that even marketers misuse the words, but they're different things. Four-wheel drive is is very specifically related to all wheels being engaged all the time. So you think about a pickup truck or an off-road vehicle, something like that, that's four-wheel drive. And it's usually it's usually used in reference to serious off-roading or towing or hauling or doing something commercial or extreme. All-wheel drive is is a more sophisticated system. Usually that can be left on all the time, which is not always the case with four-wheel drive. So if you went out and just bought something like a Honda CRV, a Toyota RAV4, something like that, that's an all-wheel drive system. You can leave it on. Uh, it works in all weather. You don't have to think about it. And it's also a lot less extreme. But it's a more sophisticated system. It's easier on the mileage. So they are different things. Okay. All right, and 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 it is no, it is a little confusing because that's a question that Kelly obviously had. Um, but when I read the question, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it seems to me like if, if there is a difference, it, it, it's not very clear because all wheel drive no. is four wheel drive in this world. Unless you got a unless you got a Flintstones car, that's uh, that's the only difference. Yeah, it, it very much is, and it's very confusing. Okay, well, thanks for clearing that up, and Kelly, good question, very good, yeah. good, good, good question. We give you a little applause on that one. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, lots of stuff to get to here, um, but I always ask you, and since it's been longer than usual, five weeks instead of four weeks or three and a half weeks, we're, you know, as long as possible. What have you been driving? If you've been driving a couple of things around because you test drive cars, you, all the new cars out there, we, we want to know how they drive. What have you been driving lately? And tell me a little bit about the cars that you've been uh, stuck in. Well, that's stuck just, in. Maybe, maybe you like them. So. No, actually, I liked it a lot. I just drove a car that no one knows because it's sort of in limbo right now. Uh, it's the Cadillac CT4. This is Cadillac's uh, compact sedan. And no one really thinks about luxury sedans anymore. But Cadillac still builds two, the CT4, the CT5. The CT4 is a compact. The CT5 is a midsize car. But just a lovely small car that is surprisingly affordable. It starts just a little over forty grand. The thing I drove was very well equipped at fifty six thousand. Um, beautiful color, and I just posted a picture on Twitter. You can find that there. They call it Midnight Steel. It's a weird color name, but it's a beautiful iridescent uh, medium blue. But kind of easy on the mileage, very traditional sedan. It's not a car that people buy anymore, and the volume is relatively low. And Cadillac's in the process of going electric, so this car won't be updated. So it's kind of the last of an old Cadillac sedan tradition, but I liked it a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, do, do you ever, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever even asked you this uh, uh, before. I probably have. But do you, when you hear of a car, well, maybe may a quick, uh, quick thing. How, how is it decided what car you're going to drive? 
How, do people pitch them to you? Do car do car companies say, hey, we want you to test drive this car? How does that work? Sort of like that, yeah. There are two distribution services in the Chicago area that represent most of the auto world. And and they contact me or I contact them and we schedule cars. And it's based on what manufacturers put into that pool. Um, and for certain cars, I would have to request them um, if I wanted to do them specifically. And high-end makers like Rolls and Bentley and, and uh, Aston Martin generally don't play this game. So you have to request them specifically from them. Um, but but it, it's there's a system there, and it's it's pretty consistent. And what you'll find is that most of the auto riders end up driving more or less the same things because that's what's available. Okay, okay. And do you ever look forward to a car? Like when someone says, hey, we want you to drive this thing. Are there times when you're like, God, I wish I wasn't in the car I'm testing now because I can't wait to get to the one next week. Is that, is that ever, does that ever happen? Yes, and I can't get something scheduled. I'm dying to drive the Cadillac Lyric, which is Cadillac's new all-electric mid-sized crossover. It's getting great reviews. And, and for whatever reason, they haven't put one in the Chicago fleet yet. And ah. I'm dying to drive this thing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, uh, so anything else that you've been driving besides the, 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 the latest? Anything in the, in the five weeks since we've spoken? I just got into the uh, BMW X5 M60i, which is a very fast version of the X5. This is their mid-size crossover. It is, for what it is, for its price and for its power, I was surprised to see it in a very basic white. Somehow I thought this thing would be red or black. Really? I'm just always sort of surprised by the color when, when vehicles show up. Uh, but that arrived this morning. Uh, and I only drove it to McDonald's for an iced tea, so I don't have any impressions yet. But beautiful interior. Didn't get it through the... Uh... Through the mud yet in Palatine? No Palatine no, mud? No, it's still really clean. No Palatine mud on it yet. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a true test drive until you get it through the mud, correct? No, I've got to get this dirty, yeah. <laughs> and, and has anybody else around given you reports on some of the other newer cars that are being tested? Anything out there that, that jumps out? Um, my, my co-host on the podcast, Jill Simonillo, just, uh, she didn't get to drive it, but Maz is bringing out an all-new crossover, the CX-90. So we talked about that a little bit on the podcast. But this is interesting because every brand that's having a hard time selling vehicles always tells you that they're sort of reimagining the brand as premium. And that, that is what uh-huh. Mazda is doing with this vehicle. And it just means that they want to raise prices. So we'll see where this goes. Ah. But this could be a very nice vehicle. Okay. All right. Well, all right. And, uh, and so uh, always uh, looking for the new stuff. Now, um, we are – do we call it now? Are we in – the buildup, are we getting ready? Are we in Chicago auto show season? Is it that time oh, of yeah. year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, because yeah. when does it actually start? The 11th, correct? February 11th through February 20, and then media days are this coming Thursday. So you will see news coming out of Chicago Thursday, and there's some kind of big news, which is pretty exciting. There's well, uh, well let's hear about it. You got, yeah. we're, doing, we're doing here on the Nick D Podcast a, a, a little a preview of the, the Chicago auto show, which kicks off. In a few days. Yeah, two big releases, and this is nice. It's nice to see releases at an auto show because manufacturers have been pulling away from shows. But some nice traditional big launches. Uh, Toyota is going to be launching a brand new product called the Highlander. Or, I'm sorry, the Grand Highlander. And this Ooh. is a long wheelbase, extra roomy now, version of the Highlander. Now, the only way to get killed in the Highlander is to be beheaded? Is that... Uh... <laughs> Is that, and and by the way, is by the way, are they are they only making one? Is that, is that 
<laughs> you can't you can't put that one out there and not have me tee it off. You can't. You know what I mean? Like no, it's, no, <laughs> that, that was solid. Uh, I yeah, didn't thanks, see it man. coming. I should have seen that coming. I know. I could re- I could hear by your reaction. I was like, shit. I got Tom there. That's good. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Highlander, I'm sorry. But when I hear Highlander, I immediately think there could be only one. So that's uh, immediately what I think. All right, so the Highlander is being uh, debuted. Yeah, well, this is the Grand Highlander. The Grand Highlander, okay. Yeah, all all new version of the vehicle. Uh, Premium, longer wheelbase, bigger. Uh, Could be a really nice niche for Toyota. And then Subaru, uh, the the Crosstrek, the very popular small crossover. We see them all over the place. Finally redesigned, and that's going to be debuted in Chicago as well. And now things last year were almost kind of back to normal, you know, after the pandemic and after, you know, virtual stuff that had been taken over for a couple of years and all that. Um, Is this year the first time where it's like, yeah, this is it. We're back to normal. It's all the people. It's all the places. The people are showing up. The cars will be there. Is it going to be as back to normal as, as it has been in the past? Yeah, last year was good. And it yeah. was it felt pretty back to normal, a little smaller than usual, but but it was good. This year, uh, three brands that didn't show up last year, including Audi, I can't remember the other two, also back. So we've got a very full wow. plate of manufacturers, and they've opened up the North Hall. Um, so it's it's a much bigger show than last year. It's and this like is at McCormick Place. As, it, this is yeah. at McCormick Place, as we at all McCormick Place. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and and always always a lot of fun to go to. And we've talked about this before. So there, there now you don't get uh, pamphlets anymore, and you don't get no. the booklets anymore. Now you just got the, the you got the you got it to scan the thing, right? The uh, the UP scan is that what you got to do now? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember for a little while they used to hand you business cards with URLs on them, but uh, <laughs> like I'm no. not a brochure. Yeah, I wanted a brochure too. We've talked about this a million times on on back at the car wash <laughs> and here about how much. Even if, even though I wasn't like a you know a gearhead or a car guy specifically growing up, I love going to the auto show and I love bringing home the brochures for cars that we would never ever buy. It was always a blast. I'm trying to find my boxes of brochures and I'm pretty sure my dad tossed them. Oh I, no! I, I asked them. I that just like my comic book collection, which is probably probably would have paid for my daughter's college. I don't know where it went. It's gone. Uh, I think the car brochures are in the same place. Okay, cool. Uh, well, it, that's that's terrible, though. I mean, uh, um, you know, those car brochures. Boy, that would make a great blog post, wouldn't it? On the daily, uh, on, on, the, on yeah. the daily, wouldn't it? Oh man, yes, it would. God, taking pictures of those things. Oh, those were so great. Did you have any? Do you remember any specific ones that stood out for you? I know this is kind of a weird question, uh, but were there any? Like, you know, when you were younger, going to those car shows, were there any brochures that really stood out? Companies that did a, a better job than others. I remember Oldsmobile in 78 or 79, and they were about the size of, of the brochures were about the size of a, like a record album, like that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And they yeah. did one, and they the, the theme was consistent. They had them stacked next to each other in this wooden rack, and they had one for every single car. Oh, so there was like six or seven of these things, and I just grabbed them all. And, wow. and I loved them so much. I was not in any way interested in Oldsmobiles, but I loved the brochures. I bet, man. Oldsmobile. We had Oldsmobiles. My dad, um, for a little while... The vending company that my dad worked for for many years, they gave him a company car. So oh. for so for many years, my dad was driving a company car, um, and they were they I don't know I guess maybe the the small little independent company, the vending company that my dad worked for, the boss had a deal with Oldsmobile because we had Cutlass Supremes. We would drive. I remember my dad would drive like a Cutlass Supreme in the late seventies, and it was an it was an Oldsmobile, a new Oldsmobile every couple of years. My dad would get. 
My dad had a couple of a couple of Supremes. They were early '90s, though. But he yeah, this was them. this was in the '70s. And this, by the way, I don't want to make it sound like my dad was a big hot shot because, like, in lieu of a salary, they gave him a goddamn car. So that uh, you know <laughs> that <laughs> that was you know. <laughs> so that that was uh, you know that was it's not like we're hot shots or something. Yeah, my dad's driving a company car. You know, he he makes eight grand a year, but he's driving a company car. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So how many trees died by Oldsmobile for that uh, for that auto show? My God, I don't know. A good chunk of some forest. I'm sure there are tree frogs that we can't find anymore oh, because of bad. Oldsmobile. That's yeah. too bad. The jerks. Um, so. <laughs> So, and you're going on the press days. Other, do you go on non-press days? I mean, it's there. For, you know, the the auto show is running from the 11th to the 20th. That's a pretty long stretch. Do you just go on the press days? Or do you try to bring the family out to some other days? I do. I, I don't know if I'm going to get back down there this year, but I like to go back during the day during the week when there's not a lot of people there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's I'm, nice to I, see how people react to stuff. Do we what? Do we do we know how was the just for the public and everything? What were the numbers like last year for the return to like the full on live show? What were were the numbers big? They don't release those numbers anymore. Oh, I see. Yeah, there's a, there's a joke. Um, Dave Sloan, who was the general manager of the Chicago Auto Show, has this joke. Is like if you want to hear the truth, never ask an auto show producer what his attendance numbers were. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Oh man, I'm writing that down. Never ask <laughs> auto show producer. Okay, uh, okay. So very good. Uh, all right. So the auto show that's that's pretty exciting though. I mean, it's it's always a lot of fun. And wh- wh- how many auto shows do you go to a year besides obviously the big one here in Chicago? Which ones do you go to, or you're going to return? Because I know you missed a few over the. I weird used, I last used to attend. Yeah, I used to attend everything but LA. I used to hit New York and Chicago and Detroit. This year, I'm probably just going to do Chicago and Detroit. Okay. And obviously Detroit, is that is is that the granddaddy of them all, considering it's Detroit? It has been. Detroit got squeezed, unfortunately, by CES. Detroit was the first show of the year, and then CES came in, the Consumer Electronics Show, yeah. right before it. And, and people, manufacturers, started doing, uh, they would host press events at CES, which was weird. But the first one was for um, uh, my Ford Touch, which was Ford's... Um, 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 I'm sorry, voice command system way back when. And yeah. then since then, manufacturers started doing stuff and they were looking for different media. They weren't looking for the traditional auto media. They were looking for the tech geeks. So this turned into an auto show. And, and then last year, Chevy introduced the uh, uh, the Silverado EV at that event. So it's become an EV event as well. Yeah. And, and basically, the Detroit Auto Show got squeezed out of January it got it got killed one year because of COVID, and then it was brought back in the summer. And it looks like it's going to live in September from now on. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's something to 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 look forward to. Hey, by the way, you mentioned EV. Have you seen the new uh, commercial for the EV car uh, featuring Kevin Bacon and his daughter? I I just did. Yeah, isn't it hilarious? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> is it, is no, it, it's a, it, that's a great commercial. My favorite is because first of all, Kevin Bacon is a national treasure. I mean, please. His yeah. wife is his wife is awesome, and his daughter is awesome. She was in the horror movie Smile just this past year, and she was terrific in that. Um, and that commercial with her and and Kev, where Kev is being the doddering old dad, it makes me feel old that Kevin Bacon is now being portrayed as a doddering dad. That makes me feel really old. <laughs> you know, one of the stars, that, yeah. one of the one of the stars, of, one of the young stars of Animal House is now a doddering dad, uh, which always makes me feel very old. But I love when he says, "This is an Ev." Rhymed with it rhymes with Kev. That's my favorite part of the whole. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole commercial. So, 
And it's weird too, because you know, Tom, I go to a lot of movies at the Music Box, and you know, and and, and uh-huh. at the and at the at the the Gene Siskel Film Center, and the they always show that commercial before the trailers. And so I've been going to a lot of movies. You know, they've been showing Billy Wilder movies uh, on matinees at um, at the Music Box, and they've been sh- showcasing uh, this really great Italian horror director named Dario Argento, who made Suspiria. Um, and they've been showing his movies, and every time, and I've gone like eight times to the movies. You know, I've been going, you know, and every time they show the Kevin Bacon. And, and his daughter commercial, and I love it. I, uh, I've seen it. I've seen it more times than most people, though. So I don't know. You know, a thing about the Music Box Theater: the yeah. fact that you don't own a car and don't drive there makes your life so much easier. It's, yeah. It's oh in, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. impossible to drive it, to the Music Box. It, it absolutely. Listen to the Irving Park bus, baby. That's my friend. <laughs> That's my buddy. And remember when they used to call the bus in Chicago the green? Why don't you take the green limousine? I do remember that. Yeah, that's what we used to call it. We used to call what do you t- how are you getting to the party? I'm taking the green limousine. All right. <laughs> Welcome to nineteen eighty one, everybody. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean no, it's a pain in the, it's also a pain in the ass to park at the Siskel Center. That's on State Street across the street from the Chicago Theater. So that's not an <laughs> unless you want to pay forty five dollars to park, you know. There is I think a, there's a lot with like eight spaces. Across yeah. the street from the music box, and it's like forty eight dollars. It something. is. It is. My friend, my my friend who meets me sometimes, she meets me for um, the Billy Wilder stuff on Sunday uh, Sunday mornings. She uses that uh, what is it called? The parking village, parking spotter, car parking spot thing on your oh, phone. It's an oh, app. Spot Hero, maybe. I guess. Yeah, where she can find a parking spot, and it doesn't mean she yeah. doesn't have to. She's got to pay, obviously. But like she can park like like people. It's like a, it's like a Cub game. People are le- allowing people to park in their in their driveways and by, behind their garages and stuff. Um, like in that neighborhood, because we've parked like I, you know, like afterwards I'll meet her there, and then afterwards we'll go out for something to eat, and she'll jump in her car. We'll jump in her car, and she's parked in someone's you know garage area. But they but it's you can find a spot with this uh, with this app, which is handy as heck, and I need to do that. My wife does that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I I, 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 I don't I kept, know why I'm dragging my feet. <laughs> well, because uh, by the way, happy birthday, Tom! Oh, thank you. Happy thank birthday, you. my friend. You, you and I are the same. Well, I'm going to be your age in July, but you okay. and I were both born in 1965, and you just had a birthday, and that's why you're not using those apps, man. Because you're 58. That is why. That's that's <laughs> that's why. No mystery there. But anyway, no. yeah, I uh, my my friend highly, my friend Julie, uh, she's awesome, and she highly recommends the whatever the hell is called Spot Finder or whatever. Yeah. It's an app to find a parking spot somewhere in the neighborhood. She uses it every time she meets me at the um, at the at the at the music box. So there's something to think about. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into some of the uh, stuff that you sent me. Sure. Uh, I I can't not ask you what is a kilowatt. You can't have an article <laughs> on the Daily Drive called "What Is a Kilowatt" and not have me ask it because obviously. I think immediately it's not a kilowatt; it's a gigawatt, and and I think of the Back to the Future movies immediately because I'm a dork. But kilowatt is different than a gigawatt. Gigawatt is a made up thing that Doc and Doc Brown made up. Yeah, kilowatt is just a very simple term, uh, and we didn't have to use it until electric cars came on the scene. But it's basically replacing things like mpg and gallons. And it's, it's just different vernacular, but it's actually super easy to use. And and a watt is just amps times volts, and you don't need to know what those are. It's just sort of a summation of all the power that's being discussed. And a kilowatt is a 1,000 watts. And the reason this matters is when you go car shopping, 
you get to learn more or less about your range because of the kilowatt capacity, the kilowatt hour capacity of the battery. And you can make determinations about range and charging if you know about the kilowatt situation too. So it's a very simple term. And I think that, that people will find that not that confusing. Well, what is a good if you're get if you're in if you're getting you're going to get a Kev, an Ev that rhymes with Kev car? Um, what's a good kilowatt? What 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 number wise are you looking for for a good amount of kilowatts for your car? Well, say you're looking for the a car that's going to sell very well this year because of discounts and because of uh, it's going to qualify for some of the EV credits is the Chevrolet Bolt with a B. Uh, that has a roughly sixty kilowatt hour battery. If you have a home charger a level two home charger professionally installed that produces about six, 6.6 kilowatts of power to charge. So the numbers are real easy there. If you have six kilowatts, if you completely drain your battery, that's 60 kilowatts, it'll take you about 10 hours at home to fully charge your battery. Mm. And that's, that's just sort of the math that people kind of need to know. Okay. All right. And people will get, I mean, I'm sure that there are going to be people who are resistant to this because it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, like, what am I doing? It Kilowatt? Is. I got to do one. Um, uh, do you think people are going to finally, you know, I mean, we'll all get used to it. I mean, you know, we get used to technology. People are really good at it now, especially people who are resistant to it. Um, I, I think that'll happen here. Uh, how long do you think before people are like walking around going, yeah, I get them. I get this many kilowatts. I'm better than you. How long before that I, happens? I think at this point, if you're buying an electric car, you're probably still into the idea. So you're probably a little bit more engaged in the process. Mm. There's people who start buying them now and maybe in the next year or two years, maybe a little bit less engaged. So it might take them some time. The reason it matters at all is if you're change, charging away from home, the fast chargers, the DC fast chargers, aren't anywhere near consistent. Some charge at a rate of just 50 kilowatts and some charge at 350 kilowatts. So wow. one of those is way faster. Wow. So, that, and you, wow. And you can find this out from the apps or for your NAS system in the car. So these are things you can learn and know, but it's handy to know them. And how? where are stations now? Are they popping up more? Is it easier for people who have EVs to, to, to charge their cars when they need to? It is, especially if you're near a big city. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, you should be able to find charging pretty easily. Um, I'm, I'm noticing that Milwaukee has been dragging its feet, and I don't no. know, I don't know why. Well, you, you know what? You, get, you, you, up there. You, you can blame Laverne and Shirley for that. I mean, they work in the auto Probably. industry; it's their fault. Yeah. Uh, so, no, they don't work in the auto industry. They work at a brewery. What beer. the hell am yeah, I? They were making what the beer, hell is yeah. wrong with me? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was it Shots? What was the Shots? Brand of- yeah, Shots Brewery. Shots, but, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, they just did a uh, on on the Decades TV channel, um, you know, in honor of the memory of uh, of Cindy Williams. They did a uh, a full like a uh, twenty four hour marathon of Laverne and Shirley. So I watched a lot of Laverne and Shirley over the weekend, and and I guess I forgot just how damn funny that show was and how great they were together. I mean, they were hilarious. And uh, I haven't and, seen that in a long time. And and it's it's amazing because at one point on screen there was Carmine, there was Laverne, there was Shirley, and there was Squiggy, and they're all not with us anymore, which was really sobering when you're watching it. You're like, damn, they're all dead. Way to bring it down, Nick. Nice job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how everybody on Laverne and Shirley is dead. That's a good thing. All right. <laughs> well, I didn't all know right. Carmine was dead. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he passed. Eddie Mecca passed away. Yeah, yeah. Carmine yeah. Raguso. Yeah, yeah. It was a great show too. I'm, I'm telling you, the physical stuff that they did, uh, that Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams did, rivals the uh, the Lucy and Vivian stuff. Uh, it's that good. 
I think. It's that good. So anyway, uh, always something to go back and, and, and watch. Lots of fun there. Hey, uh, in the same article where you're talking about what is a kilowatt and, and trying to explain how that is going to alter us and, and what we're going to do about it. The end of terrestrial radio, electric cars, and AM radio is another uh, piece that you wrote about in the Glant. And this one uh, specifically um, uh, you know, concerns uh, all of us who have worked in terrestrial, uh, terrestrial radio and has obviously been a concern, well, for many years now. And a lot of us think that terrestrial radio is on the way out, at least in, you know, and it is already gone in a lot of ways that, that it used to be. Yeah. Um, but what about the car situation with that? How are the car manufacturers handle, handling this? There's a really weird situation where European manufacturers have for years produced cars that don't do very well with AM radio. My wife and I owned a Volvo, for example, that had a hard time picking up WGN in Palatine, which <laughs> is God. the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's a 50,000-watt blowtorch. I used to have people call me up in the middle of the night from Canada and from, you know, from or Australia. Well, they're not, yeah. you know, I mean, weird. Yeah. In, in Palestine, you should burn your fingers touching the knob listening to WGN. That's <laughs> yeah. Very so, true. Yeah. But Europeans don't use FM as a term, or don't use AM. They all use FM over there in Western Europe. So all the manufacturers just kind of, AM's always been sort of a secondary thing for them. But now they have this interesting excuse in electric vehicles, and that's that uh, the electric motor and, and, and the inverter and the other things involved in, in making an electric car work all interfere with AM radio reception. Now, it's not entirely detrimental to AM radio, but they've decided to not do it. So you're running into electric cars from Mercedes, BMW, and Volvo, for example, that simply don't have AM radio in them. Now, somehow, General Motors and Ford have figured out how to put an AM radio in an electric car, yeah. but, but, but the Europeans aren't doing it for some reason, uh, and I guess just because it's a convenience issue. So people are being forced to, if you buy an electric car from a German manufacturer, to use the app or whatever to, to, to listen to AM radio because there's no radio in your car. No AM radio. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I never is. thought, I, I mean, it's, I, it makes sense, though. You know what I mean? It, it totally, with the way things are going, it, t- it totally makes sense. And as someone who was in the business of AM radio for, you know, 35 years, uh, it, it, I saw, we, we all kind of saw that coming. And, uh, and, and you know, the, 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 the stations that are still running um, are, some are doing a good job, uh, you know, like kind of transitioning to the, to the digital stuff and to the, to the stuff that's happening now, and some aren't. It, that just kind of goes with the territory. It's very interesting. Very interesting time. Yeah. I mean, now if you want to listen to AM, you kind of have to make more of an effort, right? You have to download an app or yep. or don't, some streaming service or something like that. You can still do it. Yeah. It's more work. It is. It's uh, it's very, very strange. And it's very, very strange. Okay. Uh, I know that Wally Phillips would have a lot to say about that right now, but that's uh, we're, we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, hey, since I brought up uh, dead people, why don't we talk about – this will be a, a, a heartbreaker. Let's talk about the end of Jaguar. What is going on here? Why do I need to see that? What's going on there? <laughs> it bums me out. And, and yeah. on the podcast, I've been whining about this for a long time. But <laughs> Well, whine, whine, about, whine about it here, Tom. Let's All right. It. All right. Thank you. Thank, bill me for the therapy. I um... – <laughs> Jaguar and, and Range Rover Land Rover are owned by a company called Tata, T-A-T-A, and that's an Indian industrial company. They purchased, Tata purchased both brands from Ford, uh, what is it, 15, 20 years ago. And 
And and the thing about it was at first it seemed like a great fit. Tata had the cash to invest in these brands. But for whatever happened, Range Rover Land Rover has done well. And Jaguar keeps declining. And and I think part of the problem here is that Jaguar is traditionally associated with really, really great looking cars and sports cars. And it's a bad transition to crossovers for them. Uh-huh. And and Jaguar is sold in the same showroom as Land Rover, uh, Range Rover. And I think people walk in and they're like, well, these Jaguars crossovers don't look like Jaguars, but these Land Land Rover, Range Rover products look really like Land Rover, Range Rover products. So yeah. it's, it's hurting. And they haven't offered any new products. Jaguar is selling an electric vehicle that no one wants to buy, which is crazy right now because every other electric vehicle is sold out. Uh, but they have nothing coming for like three or four years when they say they're going to electrify the whole brand. But by then, no one is going to care. I, I don't think Jaguar's on anyone's radar anymore. Man, oh man! Well, so many, so many amazing vehicles uh, from from Jaguar. And and uh, and by the way, am I the only one who would get really annoyed at the commercial where they said Jaguar? Am I the only one? That- <laughs> The, the only thing annoyer, more annoying than the commercial is journalists who do it. It's like, dude, don't buy in. Don't. <laughs> Don't do this. Yes, I'm going, to get a, I'm going to get a Jaguar. Shut up. You're yeah. a Jaguar is what you are. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I'm looking at this article, and there are a lot of great pictures and ads from the past. What are some of your favorite old Jaguars <laughs> or Jaguars, uh, as a normal person would say? Like, I'm looking at the ad for the Idea car. That's pretty amazing right there. Yeah, these are some great cars. Oh, uh, the Idea car, that is, that is probably the single most legendary yeah. of all Jaguars. That's the XKE. Um and and that car was just absolutely beautiful. It was available with a V12 or a straight six. The six was legendary, um, and it was available as a coupe. This, the one we're looking at here is weird. It was the two plus two, so the cab's a little bit longer, but there's a back seat in this car. Yeah. Those are kind of rare now, but yeah, they were available with V12s I, in the U.S. and oh, just beautiful. I can't imagine what that back seat is. I'm looking at this picture. How the hell is there a back seat? In it's that. not a good idea to put a human back there, but <laughs> maybe a backpack. I don't know, but man, wow, that just did not look like a comfortable ride. Let's get in the back of my uh, my Jaguar. I never would think about that. Um, do you have any other ones? Because some of these, all of these cars, I mean, the, the the huge majority of the cars that are shown in this article are awesome looking. And did they? And how was the? How was it just having a Jaguar? Were they consistently good cars? Did Did you get good mileage? Did Was the upkeep okay? Jaguars were consistently some of the best reviewed cars that were terrible to own. They were they were yeah. so un, they were so unreliable and so expensive to own and it was such a shame because they were absolutely legendary for ride and handling and beautiful wooden interiors and just wonderful engines that made wonderful sound. But the red car at the at the top of this article, the XJ6, yeah, yeah. probably one of my favorites. And, and and it hit me at exactly the right age. When I was working at a gas station pumping gas, a lot of these would come into the gas station. And the crazy thing about this car is it had two gas tanks. What? What? Yeah. So if you look at this picture, there's a little chrome thing right after the rear pillar. Yeah. There's one of those on each side. It's two separate gas tanks. Wow. I love pumping gas into one of these because you had to pump it to both gas tanks. And when, so when you go to get gas, did you have to use both gas tanks, or just is what could you drive on one on one tank? You could, and and someone once told me just fill one tank. I'm in a hurry. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is the coolest guy in the whole world. <laughs> just fill one tank. I'm in a hurry. Is there now? If would it would it uh, would it do something bad to the car? Um, uh, as far as it working, if you had one tank that was bone dry, no, apparently not. That, that, okay. 
was one of the few things that worked. On that <laughs> so, so, so it nailed the two tanks. That that thing yeah. it got down. Everything else, not so much. But the <laughs> but the two tank thing it got down very well. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, the other one that I wanted to mention that's on the daily uh, that's on the daily drive. And again, everybody check out this uh, the uh, the this this blog on the daily drive where you see these pictures of these Jaguars and read the entire article and all that stuff. Uh, also, the uh, the twenty twenty four. Chevy Corvette E-Ray. Yeah. What, tell me about that. Is, is that going to be at the, uh, at the auto show this week? It is going to be at the Chicago Auto Show, so people can check that out. And I love the, the lead image is a silver car with like a blue stripe. It's beautiful yeah. livery. I think that's yeah. a great-looking car. But this is the first-ever hybrid Corvette. Um, Chevy is not using the word hybrid, but it, it is, in fact, uh, an electric motor driving the front wheels and a gasoline engine driving the rear wheels. So it is a hybrid. But really, this is for performance. So you have 495 horsepower coming from a gasoline engine, 160 additional horsepower on the front axle, uh, which gives you a couple Jeez. of weird things, including, we just talked about it, all-wheel drive. Yeah. First ever all-wheel drive Corvette. Wow. Hey, have you ever driven a car that, like, uh, two of the wheels are electric and two of the wheels are gas? And, and, and how weird is it? If that, I mean, that sounds very strange. Um, it is a good way for some hybrids to work. So Toyota has used a similar system for a, a lot of years. It's the reverse. It's the front wheels are gas and the rear wheels are electric. And the yeah. electric power just goes back there when you need it or to help launch the vehicle. And it's really an efficient system. So, yeah, I've driven a lot of cars like that. Do they drive differently? Is it weird when you have to switch over? You would think that there'd be a lot of weird transitional issues, but but Toyota has it nailed. I'm trying to think of one I drove that was bad, but I can't think of one offhand. Okay. Some some hybrids in general don't work very well, yeah. but for the most part, these systems are pretty pretty effective. And at this point, they should get them right. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Yes, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when are we looking at the Corvette E-Ray? When's it, when, when are people going to be able to get it if they want it? Later this year, I don't know if we know for sure, and prices start at 105000 for the coupe, and I think 110 or 115 for the uh, convertible. All right, I'll be on the green limousine if you need me, Tom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one more thing I want to get to here, and I always love uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys have so much fun with the Daily Drive with old ads and old commercials and, and uh, you know, looking up the old stuff that you, you know, the stacks of old magazines and and dealer things and stuff that you have. Uh, you, you got some great newspaper ads in this one, man. Uh, this is just going back and looking at the prices of things is hilarious uh, alone. <laughs> you know, the other, like I was mentioning that uh, I, I went to go see Sunset Boulevard last week, Billy Wilder movie. And at one uh -huh. point, they, uh, Gloria Swanson talks about how she got a nose job and it cost her $400 and the whole place went up and, and started laughing in the theater because, you know, it's a $400 nose job. You know, uh, now you can't get your, you can't get, you know, you can't get a, a your 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 tongue looked at for less than four hundred dollars when you go to a doctor, but so that broke it up. But like that broke up the audience. But some of the stuff that we we're talking about here, the newspaper ads. Tell me a little bit about uh, about how much fun these old newspaper ads are to look at for cars. Yeah, and I loved these as a kid too. People who remember newspapers remember that generally on Saturday, the Saturday there would be two or three in the Chicago Tribune, two or three full sections of dealer ads, dealership yeah. ads, yeah. and. People would flip through those and then go drive to a dealership. Now, right. by the time I was looking at these, the system was a little bit more sophisticated. But back in the 50s and 60s, they just had terrible clip art to work with. And, <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why, pictures of the owners of these dealerships. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hallman's seems to be a good, uh, he seems to be a good guy. Doesn't, don't you think Hallman's is going to be, is going to be good? <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Holman who's screaming, no cash down. Yeah. Maynard Holman. Yeah. Maynard Holman with his 50s glasses. You can get a 50, you can get a 50. Hey, Tom, you can get a 57 Chevy for less than 1700. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no ups, man. no extras. Some yeah. of the other, uh, what are some of the other ones that, uh, that, that you like here? Some of these classic newspaper ads. There is about, an ad here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Mr. Norm. What about Mr. Norm? He, Mr. He, Norm, <laughs> who is a Chicago legend for building yeah. uh, seriously hot-rodded vehicles, but he likes his head. <laughs> the biggest thing in this ad is this guy's head. <laughs> I'm serious. You have to check these out. These are absolutely hilarious. You know, you talk about how on Saturdays you would look at the paper. For me, it was Friday. Friday was in the new movies opened. And yeah. the whole movie section, I would check out what was playing at what theater and blah, 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 and who was playing what, what showtimes. I would spend, you know, like a, a couple of hours perusing the Friday morning paper every week when I was a kid. Um, so the same kind of thing happened on Saturday, but with cars. And these ads are unbelievable. Uh, uh, what are some of your favorite prices? There's an ad here for the 55 Chevy that's killing me. Yeah. Uh, let me just scroll back over because where did I go? Here we go. 55 Chevy, 1899, including all these extras. <laughs> Genuine GM airflow heater and defroster worth $80, $79.70. They're throwing that into the deal. Plus, in, genuine... in Chicago, they're throwing in a heater. Yeah. <laughs> Genuine GM turn signals, which I was not aware were still optional in 1955. Is that right? My God. Hey, you got an arm. Bucks. You don't need him. Yeah. You got an arm. Stick your arm out the window. <laughs> By the way, have you ever seen anybody do that recently? Do people like if they're if they're you ever see anybody do the arm signals? Do you do you think even young people know what the arm signals are? I don't think they do. Although I think we're supposed to learn them when we get our driver's license. But yeah, I think it's as late as seventy one or seventy two. For no reason that I know, my dad did it. <laughs> even though his signals were working, he would still do, put the arm out the window. I don't know that, now that you mention it, I don't know that they were working. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they were extra. I mean, you know, as we, as we see in this ad. <laughs> yeah. So you, your, your dad might have opted for the cheaper, <laughs> for the cheaper package. No, nah, I don't need the, I don't need the heater or the turn signals. Those are optional. <laughs> which, which would have been 14 bucks well spent. <laughs> uh, so where do you find all these ads? Was this something that you were looking for, you were looking through in the office or online, scouring some of the old ads online? This particular collection came from Frank Piler, who used to be the publisher of Collectible Automobile Magazine. Yeah. And I don't know why he had them, but he brought them to me. And it's a huge, unwieldy stack that I have stuck in somebody else's cube at the office. But I finally had time to start working my way through them, and I love them. And there's more to come, man, because these go all the way. you got it going all the way back to 1926. This ad for 1926 is amazing. That from 1926. This, cool. this is probably one of the earlier kind of sensible used car ad i've ever seen because you didn't really think about used cars much in the 20s yeah, well, yeah most yeah, people yeah. were getting into cars for the first time still right right but here they are with huge <laughs> price ranges <laughs> amazing well so that's amazing so well, you definitely check it out this is very entertaining stuff and again the daily drive is a fantastic blog like I said, I haven't driven in legally in, in over 20 years. <laughs> uh, so I, it's always fun to read, and, and, and even on that regard. And you always check out Consumer Guide uh, uh, Automotive uh, for cool stuff. All right, really quickly before we let you go, Tom likes to watch TV and take still pictures of stars on old Western television shows, which I love. And I follow you on Facebook and on the social media. It's one of my favorite things that you do that's not car-related. 
Um, tell us about your latest star spotters and 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 how you've been how you've been doing in that regard. Yeah, I just started watching, and I've never seen it before. Tales of Wells Fargo. Yeah, I've never. I know of the show. I've never seen it though. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it. Yeah, I've never seen it before, but I was surprised to see on the show uh, Dan Blocker, Hoss Cartwright. Sure. Did he look exactly the same? Was it the same? He did. did he have, yeah. Did he have the same costume? Did it look like? Did he look? Did he look like Hoss on the? No, he was wearing a black shirt, so that's oh. sort of out of character for him. But other yeah. than that, same gigantic hat, same gigantic person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fun. Wow. And what channel is that on? Uh, I think that's running on INSP. Okay. Which is a funny channel because I think it was supposed to be sort of faith-based, you know, fun, or faith-based sure. uplifting programming. Yeah. yeah. And all they run is gun smoke and, and rawhide, <laughs> for I, which I'm very grateful. Right. But but about 40 people get killed an episode. In the, in yeah. The it's sort of. <laughs> it's very Christian. And, and sort of also unrelated to that is, yeah. is that they run Barney Miller at night, which. <laughs> Uh, when I think faith-based, I think Jack Sue. That's for sure. Man. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think of I think of his coffee immediately. Nick's coffee when I when I think of that. So, oh wow! All right, anybody else real quick that you've spotted? Any other fun ones? Oh, I threw a show out there. I've got coworkers who love it when I throw out some promotional spill uh, still for a show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's one here that I do not remember at all. It was um, Filthy Rich, 1982. Yeah, and I don't remember who's in it. I don't know any of these people. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was it? Was it on? Was it CBS, NBC? What was, uh, do we know the what network it was uh, on? I don't have that in front no. of me. But so it's just called I, Filthy Rich. From Filthy the 80s. Rich. Yeah, I think it went okay. two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. there's a guy in here who looks like James Arnaz, but can't be. It can't be James Arnaz. No, no, right. not 1982. That's no. just your no, no. That's just you thinking everything is a western, Tom. That's. Yeah. that's <laughs> That's what it is. All right. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, everybody can check out Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, and that's just it. Uh, where's, the, where's the best way to do that? The website? Yeah, just go to consumerguide.com. You can right. stream the uh, the podcast there or uh, the Car Stuff podcast. You can download it anywhere. Yes, the Car Stuff podcast. Check that out. I will be a guest at the end of the month. The next time you're yeah. on with us, uh, Tom, give us a full report of all the cool stuff that happens at the Chicago Auto Show, which is at the McCormick Place starting on the 11th. Will do. All right, Tom. Thanks, buddy. You're the best. Thank you. All right, man. See you later. Uh, Tom Appel, man. He's the best. All right. You know who else is the best? Is my dad. He's knocking at the door now because he wants to tell a joke. Here's my dad. It's the best of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. Time for my dad to tell a joke. It's the first Tuesday of, uh, uh, of uh, well, no, it's actually Tuesday, every Tuesday. My dad, I'm getting all confused because the first Tuesday of the month, we just had a For the People episode. Anyway, on Tuesdays, my dad tells a joke, and he will tell a joke live at Zany's in Rosemont uh, on February 21st. Uh, but he's here. Tell a joke. Dad, do it. Duck goes into 7-Eleven to buy a pound of grapes. Clerk said, we don't sell grapes here. Duck leaves. He come back the next day. He says, Give me a pound of grapes. He said, listen, Duck, I told you yes. I'm telling you today we don't sell grapes here. Come back a third day. Clerk said, if you don't leave, I'm going to nail your web feet to the floor. 
So the duck came back the next day and he asked, do you have any nails? The clerk said, no, I don't have any nails. He said, good, give me a pound of grapes. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. That's one of my favorite jokes of all time. Um, Yeah. I actually think my dad told that. Don't tell him, but I think my dad told that joke a bunch of years ago at the car wash on that stupid radio station that still exists that shouldn't. But I think he did tell that joke. It's one of my favorites. He kind of shortened it. He shortened it a little bit. Dad, you shortened it a little bit. Because uh, the, the duck goes in like four or five times and really, really pisses off the 7-Eleven guy to the point where he's going to nail his feet to the, his webbed feet to the floor. That's a classic joke. The duck, pound of grapes, 7-Eleven, nails. Legendary. Legendary. All right, Dad. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> He'll do it again next Tuesday. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been episode 113. Coming up on the next episode, the lovely Amy Guth will be here. So much to talk about. She's been uh, on location. Uh, writing a screenplay. She's going to tell us all about that and some of the other stuff. She hosts Crane's Daily Gist podcast, old compadre of mine from the Car Wash radio station, and she is my co-host at our next live Zanies event, Zanies in Rosemont, Nick D podcast, recording live with you, pack the place, get your tickets now. Amy Guth is my co-host, John DeCoss is my uh, special guest. 847-813-0484, get those tickets to Zanies, February 21st. It'll be Punchki Day, Fat Tuesday. We'll celebrate that somehow. But it's all going to be a part of a great, great show. And Amy Guth is my guest on the next episode. So rosemont.zanies.com, Nick D Podcast Live, February 21st. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. And uh, Amy will be my special guest on uh, the next episode of this podcast. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the sounds and the coolness. Ed and everybody at radiomisfits.com. Check out all the amazing podcasts at Radio Misfits. Uh, the greatest podcast network in the world, and take the time to rate and review us on every platform. Uh, and also leave a voicemail message uh, or a megaphone message or an email anytime you want. 24-7, we want to hear from you. 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you got a business? You want to sponsor us? You want to be a part uh, of this uh, podcast with an advertising? Do it. Sales at radiomisfits.com. All that and more. Episode 114 coming up on Friday, and we thank you for listening to the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.